Hello and welcome to episode 124 of Start the Beat with Sykes. I am Sykes and this is my podcast. Now, before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out last week's episode with Rachel Lynn. If you are one of the people who listened to that conversation, I hope you enjoyed it and thanks so much for coming back. But... For those of you out there who are new to the show, welcome. Please feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda in the fridge. Now today on the show, we got my new friends, Trevor, Allison, and Mark from The Long Hunt. And for those of you not familiar, The Long Hunt is an instrumental rock band from the Pittsburgh area. And I know that's kind of a vague description, but it's kind of hard to put the long hunt into a specific box because they have a very minimal but complex sound that transcends multiple genres and it's very storytelling, cinematic, drony, ambient, powerful, big. It's all kinds of different stuff. It's cool and it was really awesome to get to meet them and find out about their band and uh, get to sit down and talk to them for the show. You know, during this conversation, we dig into their creative processes, their inspirations and their personal histories as musicians. You know, like I said, it was just, I had never heard of this band before and I was kind of surprised, but then I just found out that they're a pretty young band. You know, they haven't even been a band for a year yet. So I didn't feel so bad about not knowing who they were once I learned that. But still, it was awesome to get to meet Trevor, Allison, and Mark because while The Long Hunt hasn't been a band for even a year yet, they all have a very extensive background as musicians and performers and other projects prior to The Long Hunt. So we get to talking about all of that stuff and what the long hunt's doing now and you know kind of what the future has in store for them they are really awesome this was a great talk and i think that you are gonna like it before we get into the conversation i gotta do a little bit of self-promoting kind of stuff this is my show i suppose i should probably tell you some things one i'm gonna be at the pittsburgh retro gaming convention alongside my fellow Epicast family, fellow Epicast brothers and sisters, homies, and the grown-up human comic people. If you're not familiar with that show, you should go check it out. And if you don't know about the Pittsburgh Retro Gaming Convention, and you're into something, if you... Ah, I mean, if, you say, if, if I say Pittsburgh Retro Gaming Convention, and your ears perk up, but you don't know what I'm talking about... You should look into it. Go to PittsburghRetroGaming.com to learn more about that. And I didn't even told you what the hell we're doing. Anyways, me and the grown-up human comic people are going to be doing a cross-podcast, a podcast mashup, live at the event. So if you're coming there to buy some video games, try out some video games from upcoming indie developers, or just enter some tournaments, or just hang out, We're going to be there hanging out too, talking about video games and music and comics, and it's going to be awesome. That's March 25th. That's at the Haste. 
whoa, March 25th at the Ace Hotel, not the Hayes Hotel, the Ace Hotel in East Liberty. I said this last week, fucking Ace Hotel is not in Shadyside, it's in goddamn East Liberty. And March 25th, East Liberty, Ace Hotel. I think it starts at 10 a.m. Tickets are on sale now. I don't know exactly what time we're going to be podcasting, probably a little bit later in the afternoon. I think the event goes from 10 to 6, maybe. I don't fucking know. You think I would have notes written out for this shit, but I don't. Sorry. Anyways, check that out, PittsburghRetroGaming.com. And if you follow me on Facebook or Twitter or any of that, you should probably already know about this. I've been talking about it. If you don't follow me on those things and you're interested, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all at the real Sykes. That's Sykes with an I. S I K E S. The Real Sykes. Also, the uh, podcast, Start the Beat, has a little Facebook page for it as well. You can find it if you go to Facebook, go to your search bar, type in Start the Beat with Sykes, hit the like button. I'd appreciate that. That'd be nice. And also, if you're not already listening to me, on iTunes. I am on iTunes. And if you're into iTunes and subscribing to podcasts, subscribe to this one. Rate and review the show. I've been told it helps. I don't know if that's true or not because I haven't had enough people do it yet. So let's get some more going and let's see if it helps. Maybe iTunes will come knock on my door in a, like the personification of iTunes will come knock on my door and be like, good job, Brian. You did it. Or Sykes, whatever you want to call me. This is a fun fact. If you know me or you ever meet me, I don't care if you call me Brian or Sykes. It really doesn't fucking matter. But start the beat with Brian just doesn't have the same ring to it, does it? I don't know. Alliteration. I'm getting way sidetracked. Anyways, last but certainly not least, I mentioned it before, but start the beat is part of the Epicast family, which you can learn all about. At epicastnetwork.com. That's epicast, E P I C A S T. Epicastnetwork.com. Yes. All right. Quite the ramble. How about let's get into our conversation with Trevor, Allison, and Mark from The Long Hunt. Sit back, relax. And let's start the motherfucking beat! I meet them because I like to make all of these assumptions and try to guess things and then resolve it over the conversation. Then at the end, be like, wow, I was totally right, or I was way fucking off. <laughs> you know? Let's see how I ruined it by telling you I know all these people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta. I ruined it. No, you didn't ruin anything. You started the we interview totally before good. he was even ready. <laughs> it's all good. All you can gravy. edited it out, right? Oh, yeah. That's the magic of technology. Take me out of context. 
I could completely just change your voice right. so you sound absolutely Put me up an octave lower, maybe or octave higher. I don't know. Uh-huh. Two and nothing but just like a ton of like reverb and a weird right. phaser, and be like. What's up with? You'd be like Emily. With his voice. You're like, if you're giving an interview, you can do it in super reverb. Right. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So, hello, everybody. You want to introduce yourselves for everybody on the mic? This is Trevor. I play guitar. I'm Allison. Play bass. And I'm Mark. I play the drums. Now, Trevor, it seems like I was doing some research on the band, and it seems like you do a lot more than play guitar for this band. I noticed uh, you did like the album artwork, the photography and stuff, and you produced and recorded some of the album. You didn't do all of it. You did like your parts, right? Right. I we we didn't really have a bona fide producer. I guess I'm the closest thing you can call okay. a producer. Um, we recorded the drums at Wilderness uh, Recording Studio with Jay Vega, and he more or less engineered, and then I told him what I wanted. Yeah. So I more or less produced that side of things. And then uh, I brought the tracks home and did the guitar. Uh, she recorded bass there as well. So. Okay. Was that, was um prior to this album, was producing something that you had experience in? Yeah, I've been uh, recording music for probably about 20 years almost. Okay. So <clears throat> I've done all my own work. Uh, we, had, we had a band back in Youngstown. We actually grew up in Ohio and... Um, we recorded that at a place called Amprion, but other than that, I've done all my albums okay. s- since I started. So. That's f- actually, I th- I'm pretty sure uh, Zach from the Knox Boys, who's on Get Hip, he's putting out a solo record, and he recorded That's, it at Amprion. Right, right, yeah, yeah. he's doing that uh, analog, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With Pete Revere mm-hmm. up there, yeah. Yeah, because I just did the album jacket for that, because it Get Hip, I'm like... The graphic design guy. Oh right, yeah, he's right. And he's and I did his al- I did his album jacket. So I just typed that. That's out. a full band. Is, no. he doing, is that a full band release or is no? Just, it's just him and a guitar. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah, just very like, you know, I'm 19 and yeah. found a Bob Dylan record. <laughs> he has yeah, like right. that. Yeah, he opened for <laughs> yeah, we saw yeah, him. He has yeah. that yeah. little K guitar or whatever. Right. Uh-huh. It has a harmony. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 1950s K or whatever. I give that kid a hard yeah. time, but he's a hard worker. Hell yeah, he's man. a good dude. Yeah. So now you said you've been recording music for almost 20 years, right? Well, yeah. you're actually not that old. I'm not that old. <laughs> well, no. Closer, <laughs> close to 20, maybe about 18, 17 years. Well, sure, so. sure, yeah. sure. I started mean, out on a Tascam four track uh, mm-hmm. yeah. tape deck. So that's how old I am. <laughs> well, I mean, the right. thing is, like, you know, I think I started self recording music when I was maybe like 13 or 14. So I've been yeah. almost recording music for about 20 years as well. Yeah, exactly. And I just thought about that now. And now I'm thinking like, oh my God, like, yeah. Have you I'm ever- not old, but like, <laughs> yeah, it sounds, like we're, sounds like yeah. we're experts. Yeah, yeah, right. like craft. Yeah, yeah, two decades in, motherfucker. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's like guitar. It's like I've been playing for 20 years. It's like, well, I should be a little better, but after <laughs> 20. Yeah, I've been recording years. music for 20 years yeah, right. plus, and I still know nothing I've about been in it. in the industry. <laughs> You're right. Now, with you just put out an album this year, right? A new is it? You consider yeah. that a full, an album or an EP? It's, it's like it's borderline. Between, right? It's like twenty eight minutes yeah, or something yeah, yeah. like that. Um, well, you d- you put out a release this year. That's right. That was February seventeenth. Uh, so it's not so, even a month old. No, it's not even. All a right, month let's old. talk about the release. Um, well, it's out there. <laughs> uh, it's not on any kind of label. It's on uh, Bandcamp. So if you go to our uh, Bandcamp, I think it's Long Hunt, uh, the Long Hunt Band 
at Bandcamp or whatever. You can get it there. It's also on Amazon. I'll iTunes. put the uh, I'll put the links to the Bandcamp <laughs> page find them. on the yeah. uh, on the episode description yeah. and things like that. So the Long Hunt has been a band for how long? A- about nine months or okay. 10 months. Okay, so, so this is very, pretty very new, yeah. Because I remember when I was on, I saw the release that was from, you know, that we just talked about from February. What's that album called again? The uh, new release? It's called Wilderness Tales. Okay, that, yeah. yeah. And then there was another one that I saw that was from last year, right? right? That, that's a single. It's uh, oh, okay. a song that's actually on the EP. It's Valley of the Sun, but yeah, we recorded it. Yeah, you did it, it just on a home We did yeah, a home Yeah, we did it in our it. basement, right. the yeah. whole thing. I just recorded everything live. Um, tried to isolate everything as much as we could, like direct bass, and I had the guitar amp in the garage. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, we were only playing for a couple months. We, yeah, yeah, that, that was that right. was pretty fresh, but that's just a live take because um, I was trying to get some shows then and I just wanted to have something online yeah, uh-huh. to show. To see, yeah. yeah, so you came from Ohio, mm-hmm. you told me, right? How long have you been in Pittsburgh? Uh, since 2006. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we you've both been, moved here, yeah. You've been in Pittsburgh for a little bit then? A little bit, yeah. Any other musical projects from Pittsburgh when, uh, Mark, since before then? Well, uh, Mark and Allison play in uh, Emily Rogers' band. Oh, okay. So that's what Mark was referring to. I don't know if we're going to cut that out or not, but he mentioned Emily. So Yeah. Uh, that's the, uh, the Emily. The, yeah, I play drums with Emily, uh, and Allison plays bass. Yeah. So. Okay. But... Um, well, your other projects, what was it, Eighth Whale and all that stuff, yeah, was stuff from a, mixed uh, people from here and Ohio, right? Right. So uh, when we moved here, uh, Allison and I were in a band called You Are the War That I Want from Youngstown. And they're like a punk indie band. Um, they haven't done anything since probably 08. And uh, around that time, I also played guitar in a pop band called The Fixes. Okay. No one's going to know who these bands are. <laughs> uh, and uh, <laughs> We do. <laughs> we do, and that's important. And then I started playing uh, an eighth whale which was like a uh, jazz fusion type band. Um, we lost the bass player after the first EP, and then Allison jumped on. And then we did that for about three years. And we we have a, a live Howlers album and uh, a full length and also the first EP. So if you want to check any of this stuff out, it's on Bandcamp. I also have like a um, page for myself. It's like a photography uh, and music page. You can look at all my dis- discography. It's uh, TrevorRichardsMusic.com. You can see all the uh, failures over the years that I've done. So. <laughs> <laughs> so it seems like you know you've been involved in a lot of stuff on like a very vast spectrum of musical genres and stuff, right? Yeah. So like whenever you got into this and you, like you know you picked up a Tascam as a teenager. What were you trying to do then? Like, what was the origin of you wanting to be a musician? Oh, man. I was actually thinking about this. I mean, why do we even do what we do? You know, I think back then um, my friends kind of conned me into playing guitar to because they thought it was cool to be in a band. And mm-hmm. that was like we were probably 14 or 15 at the time, you know. Yeah, who were and you trying to sound like back then? Yeah. <laughs> back then, um, <laughs> well, that would have been like 90s music. Well, actually, right. it wasn't that bad. Cause see, like the first album that I bought, I still would listen to. It's not like I have all these right. like, terrible albums in my uh, collection, but you don't have Paul Abdul or I something. I don't have Paul Abdul. Um, <laughs> I have tape of okay. Paul Abdul. <laughs> right. I, I was um, but, 
not to sidetrack, yeah. but I recently heard uh, like straight up that Paul Abdul song. <laughs> it was awesome. I was uh, that song. It's a banger. It's it such a good, a good pop song. Oh. song. Yes. It's yes. absolutely insane. I have to check it out. Yeah, I go I back. Who the hell wrote it? But it is. No, a, I'm, yeah, I'm always right. going back listening to stuff like that, saying that is a really good song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it was actually me back in stuff. the '90s. That that was the that style was. I was trying to go for on my Tascam <laughs> fork track. But, uh, yeah. Well, we were all trying to sound like the Screaming Trees back then, like all of the yeah, all exactly. I mean, the bands, Seattle so thing. You know, was trying I, to sound it was like, like Allison and yeah. Allison right. Chains, Soundgarden, or yeah, um, Mud Honey or something Mud like Honey, that. Yeah, <laughs> Pearl Jam, all that crap. Right. I mean, I couldn't play like that. And then I started getting into um, slightly heavier stuff, like Tool, um, Nine Inch Nails, if you want to call that heavy. Sure. Manson for a while, uh, and then got into Radiohead and started getting into jazz so it's just been a long always listen to metal you know metallica obviously sure. like 80s metal um so it's been a long journey old 70s music sabbath zeppelin pink uh-huh. floyd you know did you ever do any metal uh yeah i mean i was in a band when i was like 20 and uh we were borderline metal it was like that like turn of the century like new metal kind okay. of stuff but not quite that bad, but like, you know, you have like a guy with fancy jeans, like sort of prancing around on stage, and <laughs> a lot of, a lot of distortion. So, but, um, we covered some tool songs, but we also covered like seven Mary three and yeah. played some originals. So it's kind of a mixed bag of nonsense, but, um, I haven't done straight up metal. Um, I think that was maybe a goal at one point. Um, yeah, I don't think I've ever been but in a straight-up metal band either, to, like straight-up yeah, metal band, like yeah. whatever, whatever you would call a straight-up metal band. Like, well, I guess you would call like Metallica or Slayer right. metal, but I've never heard anything from you guys that sounded metal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Maybe I think fusion in you know, right. like metal where you'd incorporate parts of like heavier stuff, you know, like we do. You know? Yeah, I love I love heavy music. Like one right. of my favorite bands is probably Neurosis. Okay, um, hands down, but. Um, Back in Ohio, especially, I mean, if finding anyone to even play with was a challenge, which is how I even got into this band I'm talking about. I mean, we found a, a it wasn't Craigslist, but it was like a online message board type thing. And it was just the first people that wanted to jam with us. It was me and this bass player. And, you know, that's it. I mean, you had to take what you could get basically at that point. So yeah. I think we wanted to play heavier music, more like along the lines of Tool or Soundgarden, if you want to call that heavy. But... We got what we got. Well, I find that sometimes interesting things kind of happen from that. Uh, those stories, I don't want to say stories of desperation. Right. But whenever, you know, you have limited resources and all the people that you can get all kind of want to do something a little bit different, you know, you end up throwing a bunch of different influences into the pot and what you get is what you get. And sometimes it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just to have all of those different influences come together, rather than having five people in a room that all want to sound like Slayer. Then, you know, <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't think there's anybody like in this band that wants to sound like Slayer. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> Slayer is awesome. Dude. Oh no, yeah. We're gonna start covering like absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, I think that's what happened with us, where we, you know, like. I'm a big fan of all like the old noise rock stuff. I like the real yeah, yeah, yeah. nasty stuff, you know, and so does Trevor, <laughs> but like, you know, we definitely came from two kind of different places. Sure. 
I'm more of like the indie rocker, noise rocker kid. You know, I grew up with all like the late 80s, early 90s. Like, you know, I'm a little older. So I grew up with like all those guys. And Trevor did too, but I think he maybe, you know, you know, like I said, we all brought in kind of like different, different things. Yeah. You know, because the bands that I'm in now, it's more like straight rock and roll, more like folk, art rock with Emily. Uh, and then we kind of do like a heavier, like more dronier, heavier mm-hmm. type stuff, you know, well, I mean, I which is what I always liked. Like, I always really liked, like, you know, like the Gaster Del Sol, you know, like old weird indie rock bands. You sure. Know? Uh, the Slint, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, I grew up like really idolizing all that stuff, you know, like you know, uh, you know, King Snake Roost, all those weird Austrian, Australian like noise rock bands. Yeah. That's like, that kind of like was always my thing. Mm hmm. But, uh, yeah, that's what it's all about, man, just getting people that play a little different stuff, you know. Because then what we came up with was kind of like, as soon as we started playing, it was kind of like, kind of like, kind of gelled on this kind of like mellower. Sure. Chunkier kind of stuff, yeah. which kind of just kind of felt real, real natural. What was the reasoning, if there is any reasoning, for uh, deciding to go instrumental? Uh I, think, I can't sing. I know that. Yeah, <laughs> that right. was the deciding factor. Mark can't sing. Mark can't sing. So we had to um, go instrumental. The last uh, eighth whale was all instrumental. Okay. Um, and I think I've been trying to do the instrumental thing for a while. I mean, that, that takes us all the way back to 2008, yeah, 2009. All your, all your solo stuff is sure instrumental, um, technically. So I listen to a lot of instrumental music. Like there's a band called Grails that I listen to. They're on the Neurot label with Neurosis, and or at least they were. Uh, Godspeed, you Black Emperor is a big band that I like to listen to. Um, a lot of jazz, obviously, is instrumental. Um, a band called Red Sparrows, uh, and then even a lot of the bands that have vocals that I listen to, like Neurosis or Isis or. You know, some of those uh, heavier bands, like the vocals are just like texture and then they're only there for a little bit of time. And it's then, really hard to find vocals that go well with that kind of music. Yeah, too. right. Yeah, it's extra that is hard. True. Sure. To you're either find a vocal that fits. Yeah, you're either kind of, you're either doing something that's like a texture. Yeah. That just kind of blends in or you need to find somebody that is insanely talented. Insanely talented. <laughs> that, yeah. It has good range. I can't even yeah. imagine a vocal with our music. Yeah, I really no. Can. I mean, like, not all I, music needs vocals. Yeah. I, but, I, like I was thinking about that the other day. I couldn't even picture. I was thinking because I was talking to Mike about getting a vocal for that other project that I, I work with. And I was just thinking, I was like, I don't even know how I would describe or th- think about trying to attempt to find someone for this. Band. Right. Yeah. I think it would detract from it. I mean, I think we're ri- we're writing music that has strong melodies anyways. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was thinking about that earlier today. It's like the the music already has what a vocal line would be doing in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you don't get the meaning that lyrics would add to a song, but that's kind of a good thing in a way too, because then it's kind of up to the listener to determine what it's about, or you know, it's more cinematic maybe, or reflective of sort of a, an, you know, a subjective point of view rather than these are the lyrics and this is what the song's about. So. Yeah. That's, an interesting thing about, you know, music with vocals is just immediately how taken away you can be from the music on first listen just because of the vocals, regardless oh, yeah. of how I mean, much is going on in the music. Not even by what, it's, what the words mean, but how the words sound, the words yeah. sound. It's it, just even, 
you can be given a false impression. Oh, that's, totally. that's the worst thing about vocals is it almost takes away more than it adds in most situations. Yeah. Just by, you know, like you said, you have to be really, really talented to be a vocalist for me to like you at least. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> Because I, I know, like, there's a lot of bands that are, like, great. And as soon as you hear the vocals, you're like, oh, this band would be great if they had a great, you know, Absolutely. Because that's what it's all about. And that's usually more local, a local thing, you know, like, I um, mean, because that's probably the hardest thing to do is sing. I mean, oh, yeah. and, and be on key and because uh, it's easy to play drums. It's easy to <laughs> bang on a guitar. Well, you you're, almost well, have to, like, be born a singer, too. It's not something you can learn. Like, I could practice every day. I'm never going to be a singer. You know what I right. mean? Like, no what? It almost seems like, but well, you have to. Not with you. that attitude. They <laughs> say. <laughs> <laughs> you also have to have, like, it does take a long time to be a good poet, I guess. You know, learning to write good vocals is a talent. You have to learn. Yeah, right. I mean, I mean it's, just, it's, it's tough, though. Well, to do anything, the first thing that you need is just a, a, a general passion to actually want right. to do it <laughs> not saying that everybody that has a passion to sing could be a singer i think we've all right. watched like those awful american <laughs> idol tryouts that i feel actually feel bad that they air those i think that's really rude oh yeah but uh, yeah, that is- <laughs> that's a whole nother conversation uh i actually went to an american idol tryout not not i was not singing but somebody uh. who i was with wanted to go so i moral support went with them and also like this would be insane. It was when they did it. It was at a uh, Heinz field. I remember wow. that. Yeah. yeah. And it was quite an ordeal. Uh, just like seeing all the people that were really, really into it, practicing before there. And it's like, I've never been around that many people with dreams with or passions. It was yeah, insane to be it. in like a stadium eyes. full yeah. of people that think they got it. And they probably no. don't. No, it's right. very like, I don't know. It was weird. Yeah, that's, that's I, it. Made me really uncomfortable. I would to be never completely suggest honest. anybody do that, no matter how talented. Well, there was a lot. There was a lot of super talented people. But oh, yeah, you know. oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think that's the avenue for anybody. I would never yeah. suggest anybody yeah. do that. I'd say find a different avenue. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's like some high. Uh, I mean, you have a stadium of people. You're well, going like to have the like lottery so too, no matter how talented you are. There's so much oh, yeah. more that goes into it. The people that besides get talent have to be like, well, yeah. it's just all locked. Oh, especially in the other thing too, not even not to get into this type <laughs> of a conversation about like the music business industry. Blah yeah, blah that's blah. That's a big part of it. Though. Oh, totally. There's so much more besides talent that goes into it. Oh, especially yeah. if you're somebody that's looking to be like a pop star. You have to be marketable, man. It's oh like, yeah. You got to be marketable. You got to have. You got to have it. You got to be marketable. Oh, you, you have, have to connections. be a, a brand. You have to be a human brand. Yeah. You can't just be like us and love doing it. Yeah. You can't. You know what I mean? That's and, not, and nobody like, cares about that. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, nobody cares about that. Yeah, you're right. And that's the thing. Nobody cares about that. It's not about like true passion of any kind of art. You know, it's just about, you know, having it and having the right path and being mm-hmm. marketable and being it's in the some, right place at the right time and having people yeah. behind you that will push you to, the, to that place and keep you there and whatever. Was there Has there been a, a point in any of – your lives as musicians where you've thought like maybe you tried to take the approach of being like, how can I be more marketable? How can I break the mainstream? How can I brand my band? Is that something that any of you have tried to do with a project in the past? Or have you always well, just been like, a, I'm, I'm doing really this lazy. because if yeah. it wasn't for people like Trevor <laughs> that know how to do this kind of stuff, like produce music and sure, you know, do the video stuff. Yeah. I'm real lazy. I would, 
just uh, you know, do nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Mark's lazy. You can't sing. Right. What the right. Hell? <laughs> I'm like just just glad there's people like Trevor that know how to do this stuff because if not, I probably would have never gotten any of my music recorded. I totally. probably wouldn't be in any because you know there's got to be a person like Trevor that yeah. does this stuff. Well, right. I mean, like I said, you know, whenever we sat down, it seemed like you know it's, I noticed your name a lot in the credits. It seems right. like you're somebody. <laughs> That's passionate. Exactly. That well, gives, I mean, he writes the music. Yeah, he gives a he shit produces, about this. Like, he records. So, like, I guess this question would be more geared towards you then. You know, someone who's been doing this for so long. Mm. Has there ever been a point when, like, you thought, had those thoughts cross your mind? Like, like what can I do to break the mold? Do I want right. to break through the ceiling or am I, like, comfortable where I'm at? Right. I, I think at any point that I had that kind of conversation in my head, I was probably incapable of breaking the mold or do, you know, I didn't sure. have command of my skill or anything. I mean, especially like I'm self-taught and I don't, I mean, are you, you haven't had any training yourself? No, or, no, yeah. no. I mean, so you know how it is. I mean, like five years into it, you're still figuring shit out. Oh, you know, I'm like, still figuring shit out Everyone's still figuring out. Yeah. But, but you, you have command of your, your style. And, yeah. You know, you have a, uh, you can sit down and, and do something, you know, uh, have an idea and actually execute it. Whereas, I mean, five years in or even 10 years in as a guitar player, man, I mean, you're still not in command of yeah, yourself. Yeah, you don't know what to do. You, um, know to do. you know, when you don't have a guiding hand, I think. So maybe if I ever had any desire to be some sort of mainstream success, I didn't even know what that meant, how to do it. You know, it was just you... You don't know how big the world is, I think, at that time. Mm -hmm. So you're somewhat delusional. I so. kind of miss that. <laughs> it is to well, be especially if you're well, going to yeah. be doing the kind of music we are. you got to be honest with yourself. Well, yeah. There's only so many people that are going to like certain types of music. And Well, and I think like the, the artists that I listened to even back then, I mean, you always heard, you know, we're doing it for the music. But, you know, the music's the most important thing. So that was always like an, an ethic. Yeah, but that you're still was, like reading that in a magazine right. or yeah, something. Right. So right. it's like, how but the this fuck is, do you get in the magazine? <laughs> yeah. But my heroes are like still these like little indie rock guys. So sure. it's like, right. that's my heroes are like guys that nobody even knows about. So like, yeah. I always aspired to be like, but still, like Lou well, Barlow would be like the biggest name. Like, I would like, it's like, and people would be like, who is that? And then, Right. Be like, oh, well, he's the guy from Sebado. He plays bass in Dinosaur Jr. He's a big rock star. People don't know who he is. Yeah. But to me, that's like ultimate success. You know what I mean? That would be like the biggest thing I could even imagine. You know what I mean? Just you know, right. being someone that really does D this for a living. Different gauges know? of success. Right. You know? It's like you're happy with your work. You're able to put stuff out and survive off of it. But right. you're not like, you know, going on your third Japanese tour or anything. Yeah, or yeah, like I said, instead of like putting out 20 records and still having nobody know who you are, oh, which true. I'm fine with that because I've already done that. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Been there, done that. Right. Well, I think like, you know, when you're 16 or whatever, starting your first band, it's like you're asking these questions like, well, are we going to get signed? Who will we sign with? And yeah, right. Like, like where are we going to go on tour? Like, you, we ask these questions. you at the mall or yeah. something. Yeah. Like, I, like I yeah. ask those questions, not realizing that that was probably not going to happen. It was almost like, it's definitely going to happen. I just have to decide when and how. <laughs> yeah, right. And then, you know, I found out that, that it, that it didn't happen, but right. over the years, then I realized Once it was dreams have been sufficiently destroyed. <laughs> right. Uh, well, my ultimate, like, it, best, it wasn't yeah, about that. Like my yeah. ultimate mm -hmm. biggest hero, best songwriters are people that are still and probably will never be heard. Mm -hmm. You know, Alan Lewandowski from The Working Poor here in Pittsburgh is probably, I consider, the best songwriter I've ever heard. And I just 
happen to play in his band. But there are people like that. They'll never get hurt just because they're too quirky and geeky and weird to <laughs> ever get any kind of even indie rock notoriety. They're just even too weird for the indie rock <laughs> crew. <laughs> sure. I think that, you know, it's it goes back. We were talking about like the right time, right place and yeah. being the package and well, all these that guys. Stuff. I don't think yeah. it's ever going to be a time or place for these people. <laughs> they're just too weird for any time or place. But yeah, maybe a hundred years. We're, we're a little more marketable than that, I think. <laughs> That's, that's the balance, just being marketable enough. To, that's why like, I write the, ne- the next song, dude. Yeah, right. <laughs> Watch out. I'll, I want to eventually just devolve into like playing one note for yeah. like 20 minutes, letting it ring out. Like, see how far we can go with minimalism. Well, it seems like each song we do, it starts to go more towards that direction. Yes. Towards that direction. Yes. <laughs> how far can we take it? We've already slowed it down. I think my uh, most of my songs are like 70 to 80 BPMs. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to like take it. It's like catatonic. And then eight point. minutes plus on top eight of that. Minutes. Well, the thing that's interesting <laughs> about that is like, you know, you say, uh, you're say you saying that and I produce a lot of hip hop mm-hmm. and a lot of the stuff I do is between 70 to 80 BPM Yeah, a lot too, of hip hop's at 90, but isn't it? Like, it's like usually. old school hip hop. Yeah. I would say it's more in that 90 to 100, but over the years it's definitely slowed down. But still, if you double that, we're talking 140 to 160 and it's... Right. You can still get like an upbeat rhythm in oh, no, a slower sure. yeah, mm-hmm. in a slower groove, you know. Yeah. You could pack those beats with as many, you know, mm-hmm. rim shots as you want. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Cowbells, I think. Uh, no laughs from that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I did just see the cowbell today. I was thinking see? about it. I was thinking about put I'm always thinking about how to honestly that's, incorporate that's the cowbell into music and not sound you know, because everybody, as soon as you pull the cowbell out, people are thinking about that Will Ferrell sketch. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, and it's like it's, it's become a caricature of itself now. It's so just like, gotta... and I keep saying, God damn it, the cowbell is a very important instrument. It shouldn't be a joke. You know? I just think like '80s rock, like '80s right. stadium rock. Well, you just gotta stay away from those quarter beat, you know, uh-huh. clunks. You know, as long as you don't do that, you're in good shape. You know, I don't. I don't know if I've ever heard like a cowbell used in like a. Uh, I don't want to say. I don't know. I don't know if I've ever heard like, heard like a tasteful use of a cowbell. <laughs> There's that noise rock Maybe band like from Latin, uh, New York, Latin Oneida. music or something. Okay, of Oneida. No, this guy named Kid Millions is the drummer. He's probably one of the best drummers I've ever seen, ever, ever, ever. And uh, they're from New York. They're named Oneida. He does insane cowbell work, like, <laughs> stuff, stuff you, you'll never hear anywhere else. Like he plays it like, 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 like it was a, a like a set all in itself. You know what I mean? He's oh. that good. Like, yeah, do yourself a favor and check out Oneida sometime. They're, they're a noise rock band. They're, they're is that O N E I D A? It's O N I E D A. Okay, all right. Well, I don't know how to spell, but I know I've seen that name before. <laughs> yes, like the, like <laughs> they've the been around uh, forever. They're sure. on Jag Jaguar records. Okay, so yeah, they're, yeah. They're big. They're like, yeah, they're like, I don't know. They're considered small on the Jack Jaguar label, but they're, they tour worldwide. They go, you well, know, they were in New York when we were out they're there. They're in New York they? yeah. and they're friends with all of the uh, rickety records people here in Pittsburgh. All the guys that play uh, the working poor and all these like indie rock bands here in Pittsburgh are friends with those guys. Okay. And those are all bands I played with in the early nineties. Yeah. It's, it's insane. Just how big the scene is just here. Oh, Pittsburgh because, is you know, brimming you know like bands. you're mentioning a lot of stuff that i've never heard of oh, no, i feel no, like i know a lot of people but oh, no, you dude, cannot you're the, huge there's I mean, so we're many. just meeting each other today for the first time you know huge. and we've all been like i've been making music and playing shows in pittsburgh since 2007 yep so mm-hmm. i've been 
10 years. And that's a long time to not you think I would have met everybody around. Well, here the, by now. the people right. I'm talking about referring are more like early nineties. Yeah, yeah. It's that's like Don was... Caballero. Okay, yeah. Era. You yeah, know, that old. Well, that's Pittsburgh definitely... indie rock era. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's definitely when I was a child. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mark sixty five years, years old. Sixty five years old. Everyone sounds so much though, older than they I was are. playing with those guys I've when been I was like for seventeen. Sure, sure, sure. I was like those like the Don Caballero guys. They were like the guys you looked up to. You know what I mean? Like Blunderbuss. Don Caballero, <laughs> all the noise rock, old 90s noise rock bands, mm-hmm. you know, Carl Hendricks and yeah. you know, all that stuff. You know, that was all the 90s stuff I grew up with playing with all those guys. No, it, it is crazy, though, man. I mean, I could I was just telling somebody earlier today. It's like I could probably find a new band every day. Oh, for yeah, the next absolutely. Yeah. Year. yeah, that's the thing in Ohio. In you'd have to trip in over Pittsburgh. yourself. Yeah. In, in Pittsburgh, you could find probably like minded musicians like just by walking down Carson or walking down Southside or walking yeah. down Northside. Mm-hmm. And, and they're and all like, good, band, too. I mean, that's not, it's not like it's some dude in his garage. No, it'll be you know, probably it's pretty talented who went dude. to a studio. Right. Oh, yeah. Money, yeah. That has nuts. some talent. Right. It's crazy. It's been the one really, really eye opening thing since I started doing this show was just how many new people I've met and just, you know, like I talk with somebody from a band I've never heard of, like come out to a show sometimes. So it's like, okay, well you're cool. I'll come hang out to your show. <laughs> well, you hang know, out to that your show. Hit <laughs> I go, that kind yeah. of connection will lead you to well, Yeah, a lot. I've been there for four years now. They'll so lead that's, you to pretty I've much met, every crew yeah, in Pittsburgh. Like that plus this show. It's all of those crazy. guys will have connections to the Rickety Records people, to the old indie rock people, to the old like punk Half-Life people uh-huh. of, of like the mid 80s of Pittsburgh, like all that really old stuff, you know? Because that's like, like when I started, like all the <laughs> hardcore, like mid eighties hardcore. Like I was really young. We sound was, like we're in our eighties. Well, yeah. Well, I was. I was like I was like ten, eleven years old going to those shows at the, sure, Sonic, yeah. at the well, Sonic okay. Temple. Yeah. Like Manny had the Sonic uh-huh. Temple, and you know, Half Life and all those big Os Rotten and all those old old punk Pittsburgh bands were, you know, popping up. That was like a, a big time in Pittsburgh. Totally. That pretty much was the birth, I think, of all of the the later indie rock stuff because all those guys went to uh-huh. form Don Caballero and all of those in the Pittsburgh indie rock bands and mm-hmm. all those guys you work with. They, yeah. They play with all those guys, uh-huh. you know. Now, playing all of this different music throughout the years, mm-hmm. is there any style of music or anything that you haven't done yet that you might want to do one day? That's a good that question. I might want to do. Um, hmm. So now we mentioned you never really played a metal, like metal, metal, but maybe that's not something that you necessarily want to do. Like what's something that like you feel like I want to dive into this? Mm, I don't know. I mean, it might be cool to do uh, an acoustic album or something. Maybe that's you something you've played a lot of eclectic yeah. different music. So yeah. you've, just like me, you've played a lot of different stuff. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know. I, I'm probably going to stick more with what we're doing now. Sure. Um, well, you, you do some cool uh know stuff that you write like acoustic kind of drone yeah, I, stuff i think i write most cool. of the stuff on acoustic. well yeah you do but yeah. i i had like um maybe five finger picking songs i could see a lot of that stuff of working really well on acoustic just yeah yeah i think we could right. probably play acoustic but um i don't know that might be cool i mean i've actually done i you know obviously the thing would you know the clear choice would be just to pick something that i haven't you know it's like completely opposite like you know, electronica or something. Yeah, but I've kind of well, done. Um, you kind of done some of that, that yeah, electronic stuff kind of yeah. stuff before too. But 
it's not as I haven't been in a band that was yeah electronic or mm-hmm. hip hop or anything like that. Have you ever but, like considered incorporating like electronic elements to what you're doing now? Yeah, with this band because I think it could work really well mm-hmm. for like some textures. But yeah, I mean, that, yeah. who's gonna do it? I mean, yeah. unless like you know you stop playing guitar for a second or something like that. If you yeah. wanted to do it all live, I uh, we actually we tried doing that somewhat i mean for like one or two practices like i have a lot of gear like i have um a roland uh tr808 mm-hmm. um like a yeah mini, like the stuff mini we Nova. were doing with the keyboards we were doing some stuff with keyboards early on yeah we micro were just doing, instead of a guitar he would just pretty much play like yeah. you know yeah and you have I all like, the looping so yeah looping yeah stuff. i have a lot yeah. of looping stuff too and yeah. um because I haven't like when Eighth Whale wasn't doing anything probably in 2013 and I started playing drums around then and then before this got formed, I was uh, doing like solo stuff and just messing around with like loops and uh, and I love the uh, the sound of analog synths and just sure. cutting stuff up in in Cubase. Um, not quite sampling, but getting there. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Well, the Mellotron stuff you did on the on the record that's all keyboard stuff, so just yeah, little yeah, bits yeah. of keyboard. There's mm-hmm. a little bit of it, but. I, I think it would be cool to have samples like, I mean, do you listen to Neurosis at all? Is that like a... They're a band that I've tried to get into yeah. several times over the years. It's a it tough just, band to get into, It hasn't man. clicked, you yeah. know? I think that I should revisit it soon. It's probably, it's, I mean, it's probably been, you know, almost 10 years since I really gave it a shot. Yeah. It's, you know, I remember that was a name that I saw a lot when I was super into metal. I'm still super into metal, yeah. but I was <laughs> really into it in high school. But like, I was into like insane shit. So I don't think my brain was quite ready for like slow down and absorb this. I just wanted stuff that was gonna beat me in the face right. really, yeah. really fast. You know, blast beat stuff. If you, yeah, yeah, if you yeah, want yeah. the best intro to neurosis, just look up Locust Star Live like at Ozfest. Okay. It's just one song. It's like the heaviest thing you'll ever hear. It's okay. Just, well, yeah, they're heavy. They are. They're heavy. <laughs> computer. It'll just uh, disintegrate. But um they do a lot of samples and I, I think it might just be too much of a, <laughs> it might be too much of a ripoff if I start doing that. But I mean, it. if it's something that you want to do, I think yeah. it could be a, just an interesting way to add stuff to yeah. the music. Not that it needs anything added. I actually really like the stuff that I listened to that was on the band camp. It was really cool. Yeah. It all sounded like it like fell out of a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I always kind of picture it being like backtrack music to some kind of horror movie, sure, true yeah. horror movie or something. <laughs> Are any of you into film movies? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we watch a lot of. <laughs> we uh, watch a lot of movies. Yeah, I'm yeah. definitely a big, big horror Mark's movie. Mark's really into it. Horror guy. 80s, 50s, 60s. If you could like have a like your movie in any any like, or if, you could have not your movie like a song that you wrote or like make music for like a, a particular like director or a certain <laughs> style of movie like. What would be? What, what do you think like, you'd like to do? Probably go with like a Herzog uh, documentary or, or Dario there Argento. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna give some props to Mark Snow okay. from X Files. There you go. Because there we, go. He, we like all watched the, all the X Files like all 200 episodes, times. and it took like six months, and I felt like I was in a coma at the end of it. And then, and also you felt happy. And I felt <laughs> happy because I didn't know my name at the time. And. Uh, <laughs> But but Mark mm. Snow writes some good stuff. Yeah, so yeah. I think if we could do some music for the X Files, I right. would be we'll just recreate <laughs> pretty the excited. I know that's not Howard Shore film, fan, but okay. really yeah, 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 yeah. Howard Shore. I agree yeah. with that. Awesome. <laughs> now I'm gonna go with that Herzog documentary. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> let's, Sorry, let's, guys. Let's do that, yeah. <laughs> Trevor. Yes. <laughs> Outside of music, you know, 
you mentioned photography and all this other stuff that you do. Is this something that you were doing before you became a musician or was this something that happened kind of as a result of like, I'm a musician now and oh, I need an album cover or I need this and that and maybe I want to learn to do this myself and do stuff for the bands or was it just like a passion to do it outside of music altogether? I'd say it's all of the above. I mean, okay. <clears throat> I think the DIY thing is, is the way to go, mm -hmm. um, especially with how cheap everything is these days and yeah. the tools that are at your disposal. But um, I was probably into video um, in high school. So back in like 99, 2000, I was, you know, into like going out with a VHS and then splicing it up on a, you know, a, a, a deck or whatever, and then getting into editing software. But and then I went to college at Youngstown State for TCOM. So I learned some of the technical aspects of video and audio production but and then just recently picked up a, a canon camera so i've been learning to actually take decent pictures rather than okay. shit with your cell phone or yeah. whatever else like learning what aperture is and how to you know use all all that stuff so um I think I, I tend to think visually even with the music so it's just a way to present um I guess what I'm seeing in my head in some physical form, um, what I see when I hear the music, I guess. But yeah, I think it also comes down to just needing an album cover and needing a band photo or whatever else, you know, and just wanting to do it myself rather than pay somebody else to do it. So oh, that's, yeah. Well, I, you know exactly what you want. Yeah. Too. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, it's like collab. You know how to do it. Who's going to do it better than you, especially with your, yeah. you know, I think. Yeah, because yeah, you I mean, know it's that fine line. It's like if you do everything yourself, then your name is on your album like thirty times, like you said. And I don't mm -hmm. know if I don't know if that's a, a negative thing or a positive. Well, thing. Well, I mean, if you do you it, know. you do it. You know, right. you should give yourself credit mm -hmm. for exactly. it. I think that I right. know uh, I come from a very similar background as you. Um, I started doing music, and at the time, I was already drawing. Like before I got mm -hmm. into music, I just always want. I actually like music was like my first love, I guess. But I grew up in apartment buildings, low income, and like just like being play, having an instrument, it just wasn't in the cards. Mm -hmm. So like I just drew a lot. So I got really, really in the drawing. But then as I got a little older, I got a job at Taco Bell, and I had a friend that was into making beats, and I was like, oh, you can make beats. So I like <laughs> got into like electronic making electronic yep. music, and uh, it built from there. But then it was like, well, I already have this skill set in drawing, so I'd make my own album covers and stuff like that, and then. I had somebody make a music video for me once and it sucked. And I was like, well, I had a camcorder in high school. Yep. Let's That's break it back really out. That's really high though, man. Yeah, you, yeah. Deciding to make your own video right out of the bat is a tough, well, I mean, <laughs> that's a high mark. Well, I mean, <laughs> it, was, it was the kind of a similar thing though. It was like in high school, I had a camcorder and I like, we made a movie mm -hmm. and I edited the whole thing like from VHS tape to VHS yep. tape. Like, <laughs> so like, it was like stuff that I already had like, loose experience in right. and i mean granted like the first few videos that i made i mean looking back at them they weren't that good but it was just still just the fact that it, right? i was doing it right. yep. and just like if there was something that i needed to learn how to do i would just do it rather than asking somebody for help but yep. now like over the years i've met all of these awesome videographers and awesome artists and it's like okay maybe sometimes it's fun to 
work with other people. You can't as do well. it all. You can't. Yeah, do it exactly. Because time becomes no, a thing. Yeah, you can't. So now, it's like, like what Trevor does is about as much as you can take on. Like yeah, he does, totally. He plays drums. He you know guitar. He does video. He does. That's about as much as you can take on. Any more than that, you're gonna be like really doing thin work. Oh yeah, that's if you do too much, then yeah. you're actually doing yourself. You got to go outside of the box for a few things. Uh huh. Yeah. If you can get away with it, though, and you're doing good stuff. <laughs> or if you, you just have it. all the, the yeah, time in the it. world. Right. I know that you know, I imagine that we all do things outside of playing in these bands and have responsibilities and not fun things to take care of, right? Yeah, I like tattooing, and I, uh, I didn't and, – and how you just, I just told myself I'm going to stop getting crappy tattoos from every crappy tattoo artist and learn how to do it myself. And I took 10 years and learned how to tattoo. Oh, yeah? And I still do it. And That's awesome. Just, yeah, it's just, you know, just, just learn to do it. And you do it. Just like you said. I mean, if you want to do it, you just, you go. You, just you had that, it. you had that passion that I was talking about. Sure, sure. So you got to, it all has to start with that passion. Yeah, but like, maybe unlike you, I didn't really have any drawing skill. Like, I was never good at it. Like, you know, I had to like, it, well, like, you know, some, you know, you always had that friend in high school who was like, could just well, draw from art, art is subjective. Well, it is, <laughs> but it's also, for me, it was a lot of practice. Like, oh, I totally. I wasn't the kid that just sat down and I was a good drawer. I had to, like, literally, like, practice drawing every day for years and years well, and sure. years before I was okay. It depends on, it. like, that also depends on what you're trying to draw. Too. Well, sure, but anything, you know. like, you know, like. Tattooing is something you have to. If you're going to be even <laughs> yeah, half decent, right. <laughs> like, you have to be able to draw like from your head. You know, totally. You, you know, there's a lot of guys out there just tracing, and you can't just kind of push out a decent tattoo just doing that. But you, if you're going to do it successfully, you got to be able to like just talk to someone and say, "What do you want?" and then draw. What yeah. Want. In yeah. high school, I had a everybody used to tell me, "Oh, I should get into tattooing," because uh, I was drawing all the time. And right. That, the concept, it was never anything I was particularly interested in doing. It just seemed very intimidating yeah. to me. And it's very tough. It's <laughs> yeah. like you realize, well, I realized real quick that it's something just like anything else. You weren't going to just sit down and in a couple years be a half-decent tattooist. Oh, yeah. You suck for 10 years. Sure. <laughs> like you do. You just like playing an instrument. Yep. It's not something you do cool. and get good at. Well, there's a couple guys that have all the connections <clears throat> and they do it pretty, you know, a couple years they're working. But any normal person you suck for 10 years yeah, a, <laughs> and you better be willing to destroy your friends for 10 years yeah. before you're doing good work. I have a, that's the, the cool thing now is now that, you know, I graduated in 2003. So, you know, I'm more than a decade out of high school and all of my friends that were, um, drawing and wanted to get into it back then. Now they are tattooing. You right. know, I know mm. people that own shops right. that work in shops right. and they're all really good. And it's so cool that like, after all these years, it actually, is a cool thing because it's yeah. still something you can learn, and you don't. There isn't like a well, there are schools you can learn to tattoo, but it, it, at least the tattooing part, you have to really learn from other people. You yeah. can't really go to school for tattooing. You have to just buy machines, learn how they work, take them apart, put them back together, learn what works for you, just like drumming and tuning, and you know, that's the cool thing about tattooing. It, it was same with music still, but. It's either that or a razor blade in a really long prison sentence. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> that's exactly right. what I was thinking. Right. That's how the guys, that's how the old guys got into it, man. They, they right. had like, you know, cassette decks. And they wired them up and they, you know, used eight yep. tubes and just used, you know, simple motors and learned how to tattoo really well. Some of those old school machines, you know, it's crazy. Yeah. Is there anything outside of, uh, so I mean, we, Got a lot of information 
from Trevor. We got a lot of information from Mark over here. Uh, what do you do besides <laughs> playing know. in a band? I do a lot of snuggling with okay. uh, Trevor and our cats. But uh, <laughs> um, Tell me more. <laughs> hey, I do just as much cat snuggling you, as you do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's true. Um, hmm. Well, I'm a social worker. Okay. So I do that. Um, uh, and I like to read a lot. Cool. The weird thing is I really I really like literature and uh, words and writing words, but I really don't like uh, words and music that much. Oh, yeah. So that's kind of a strange thing. But like, I really can appreciate it. For you? Not not always, but I didn't really um, aside from like, you know, some classical music or like polka or something. I didn't really know a lot of instrumental music uh -huh. um, until until Trevor really showed me a lot of that. And then we started playing it together. And I mean, that, that's a hard you can't, I mean, you can start just playing instrumental music, you know, just by writing stuff and playing mm. stuff without words, but yeah. it's kind of its own thing. It's a special, you have to write it in a kind of a special way, I think. And totally. I didn't, I didn't you don't want to be a band that, that oh, totally. basically needs vocals that doesn't yeah. have vocals. Well, that, yeah. There's, a to yeah. there's two different ways to definitely approach music. And if you're going to be a band with a vocalist, mm -hmm. you need to have that in mind. There needs mm -hmm. to be places where you know you need to make space for it right and if you're a vocalist in a band you need to understand that at times you need to shut the hell up right because this mm -hmm. part of the song is good where it's at <laughs> right, you know right. that's like because i i i'm a vocalist in a metal band mm -hmm. and you know that's one thing that i'm always working with them on it's just like hey like you know like in a real world situation I'm going to need some time to breathe right here. Yep. So you need to come up with a really good riff for a little bit so we can bridge these two parts and just stick it in, point. you know? Yeah. It, make, yeah. it makes the song better. You don't want to listen to me yelling all the time. Um, but thinking about instrumental music, I've been a lot more into instrumental music now too. Mm. And I don't know why. I listen to a lot of podcasts and then mm. a lot of instrumental music. <laughs> Anytime I like hear a band with vocals now, I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? Right. What, right, what, what right. does he want? Yeah, it ruins. What do, what do you want? <laughs> yeah, right. This is funny because what are you I'm, trying a, to I'm, say? A, I'm a vocalist in a band. Right. So. Yeah, that is ironic. And it's like, you know, I feel like I have a message or something, but I don't want to hear anybody else's message. Right. I'm like, fuck you. Yeah, I don't want to, I don't <laughs> care what you're saying to me. Yeah, words ruin it. I'm telling you, words <laughs> a lot of times ruin music because it's like, it's, it's, it's all great. And then you get mixed up in a message that you don't want to hear or you just don't like the nasally tone. Or yeah. <laughs> I, mean, like, I mean, it's not always like that, but right. it's more recently I am noticing that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely. I guess it also depends on the type of music it is too. Absolutely. Like I wouldn't want to hear like an instrumental hardcore band. Yeah. But uh, with like a lot of electronic music, I prefer instrumental electronic music. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know why. It's all those gaps. It's like that's where all, that's what that's the best part of that music is like the pauses and the gaps in it. You know what I mean? That's, yeah, the dynamics. You're on like a roller exactly, coaster of exactly. emotion. Right. Yeah. I think that's probably the most important thing I think with playing with these guys is the less, way less is more. If we could even probably do. Yeah, way like I less. said, man, one note, 20 minutes. Right, literally. That's probably not even a joke. We'll probably like... like we'll never play a show again. Devolve and, uh, into like... Well, yeah, not that, but it's just like finding that balance, obviously. Yeah. Well, right. yeah, I think that as a songwriter, it's really easy to... If you're doing something that's kind of easy for you to do, you might feel like you're not doing enough or you're not doing mm -hmm. a lot. Like, this is easy. Like, so this isn't interesting. Mm -hmm. Whereas... 
that's really not always the case. Just because there isn't a lot going on and you're not doing much, that doesn't mean you've got to think about the song as a whole mm-hmm. and right. what like the listener how they're going to take it in. Even if you are just doing very minimal, especially in a three piece, you, your yeah. tendency is to play more because you could fit more in. But mm-hmm. even in a three piece situation, it's it's better to let it breathe. You know, yeah. I, I think. <laughs> in, in most situations, it's like that. Again, being in a metal band, um, I've played in a metal bands for a long time, and I honestly don't have this problem anymore, which is great with the guitar players I have now. But I've worked with guitar players in the past who were always just trying to cram in as mm-hmm. many yeah. notes That's as possible. That's a drum thing, too. That's normally a sure. drummer thing. And it's yeah. just like, sure, you can do that, but why yeah no bands aren't the place to showcase your chops when you're in a band like literally it kills me you You see it every day you see these bands and instantly they're trying to showcase their chops and it's it's like like, songs are not a place to showcase your chops when you're good you want to you want to show off every once in a while highlight things but yeah that's the the less is more that's what it is you know i'm way more interested in like a really cool drum fill that bridges two parts. That, oh, like no. some super insane Or the thing. gap in, of nothing yeah. in between those two sparse oh, yeah. parts. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes <laughs> it's like... nothing in between the yeah, sparse like, parts. You know, you'll, we'll be at practice and somebody's like, I don't understand what needs to go here. Just the shimmering, the simple shimmering Nothing needs down. to go right. there. Yeah, literally. <laughs> right. Have you thought symbol. about that? Let's yeah. just... The cymbal waving for about 30 <laughs> seconds in between uh-huh. the two parts or the, or the snare rattling in between the two parts, yeah. buzzing away. That's it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that's too much. I think it's about contrast, too. You know, obviously, it's not just less is more, because if you just do less all the time, then there's now you, know, you got to throw a blast. Beat. Then, <laughs> I mean, we're obviously yeah. going to do that. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> blast beat. But some gravity uh, uh, beats or whatever they call them like on the snare. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. I don't know. I, I I probably say blast beat, and I don't even mean it. Yeah, we don't know what term has been even, like used. I think <laughs> like I used to use that term not even as a, like now. I guess it's known as like like a double bass blast beat type thing. Mm-hmm. I, I, more than anything, I'm referring to maybe just like like I said, a higher dynamic. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> or a, a faster <laughs> part because there are a few times when we play more upbeat. Oh yeah, I want to usually just to highlight that softer part. You mm-hmm. know? Get get your triggers on your drum set. We're just going oh, to yeah. have everything sampled. Yeah, that always annoyed me. Do you guys do that stuff? The no, the clicky, we don't. The clicky drum beat mm-hmm. stuff. No, we don't use me. drum triggers. Um, we not even drum click triggers, but the, the guys used to put washers on. Oh uh, no, no, like that was a, that was a big thing <laughs> back yeah, in yeah, the nineties. Yeah. I had a the first band that I was ever in. Our drummer used to uh washers he, they were the, he taped quarters yeah quarters mm-hmm. washers yeah yeah, yeah. Ooh, hey, that, that was a bad a bad um, uh five years of music I think. yeah i think that i don't know i think that it in some aspect i feel like it made sense like yeah. it made sense in a practice space because we could hear it because yeah, like maybe. that clickiness really yeah. cut through but like in like a recording scenario real quick it became a not. thing where they were doing it over and over again and it was like Am I hearing that right? Like, like you would hear those blast beats and be click, 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 click. Yeah, it just kind of drive my, my mm-hmm. ears crazy. Well, I think there's kind of a weird thing, too, where trends just pick up, you know, once one person does something and right. it kind of takes off, you know, there's going to be a huge group of people that are doing something because they think that's the normal Well, it started thing with the guys do. taking their DW pedals and spinning them around to the plastic part that wasn't yeah. technically supposed to be a part of the drum pedal, but they did it. 
And then they heard that sound and liked it, so they just kept on going worse and worse and worse. And then by the it's '90s, worse. they were putting <laughs> washers on their on their things like that. And then the triggers took over, and they just emulated that sound with the triggers. But the, I always yeah hated no. that part. I always liked the sound of a real bass drum, and mm-hmm. I actually use the hard beater a lot on what we do because mm-hmm. I like that solid attack sound. But they took it, I think, a little too far. Yeah, my drummer has uh, he bought these beaters from some custom company. They're like. Wood. Wood beaters, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're really, really yeah, nice. They have yeah. a really good sound. Super nice, yeah. yeah. It, I imagine that's a big metal thing. i just seen that company online. I forget what they're called, but they make gorgeous wood beaters, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Yeah, and they sound good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And to be honest with you, it's really not necessary. The plastic sounds exactly like it, like because I've, I've done a lot of experimenting with those uh, plastic beaters and wood beaters, and uh, a lot of the old, old kids had the wooden beaters just because that's what they made them out of. Yeah. But yeah, that company is gorgeous. They're like really nice looking i don't know if you've seen mm. them trevor but they're like gorgeous wooden drum beaters yeah yeah i want drum beaters made out of like mammoth tusk or yeah something. there you go <laughs> that's metal this is human skull i have so. to admit though i've found myself because since we've been playing and with some of the heavier stuff i've been kind of like looking for more of a, a focused sound and that's definitely it like mm. but i think when you start going too far and start getting that clicky sound you lose all resonance from the drum because you're mm-hmm. just getting that attack. You're basically just hearing the front head. Yeah. You're not hearing anything from behind it when you put those washers on it. Yeah. I we um we play with some bands. A lot of the more like cause we're more I don't know, we bridge like sort of like a very like traditional thrash mm-hmm. with some modern elements to it. We're not like a super fast or super technical band. We have fast parts, but we're not like crazy. We have some friends that play in like some like progressive death metal bands yeah. mm-hmm. where there is like a ton of stuff going on. Right. And I honestly feel like they almost need that clicky trigger sound just because everything is so tight yep. Yep. to have like a full that. bass drum resonance just muds yep. up the sound. It's like a weird thing where like that clickiness actually like it fits it's like in you the need mix. it for that yeah. mix yeah. Yeah, especially but i don't now. like particularly like care for that style of music yeah, there too much sound i'm opposed to it's just that music always seemed to have that like blah blah blah, blah mm-hmm. equals right. this and it would always just annoy it's me. just it's so interesting how like things like that in music like techniques. I'd almost like to hear help. that in a jazz band. Oh, would, sure. <laughs> like if you, they would mix it up a little bit, like use that in a different kind of uh-huh. it's, it's, it's interesting though how like different techniques have encouraged and helped push the extremeness of different styles mm-hmm. of music. You know, like if uh, somebody hadn't thought of doing that, maybe really, really insanely fast metal might not happen because nobody would have figured out a way to make it sound good until someone you know, put washers on their kick drum <laughs> and started triggering all their kits. Yeah. And I think it's maybe too technology. It's like, you know, you're phase aligning everything now and you're able to like sample replace. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All this technology stuff is a way of getting, making done. your instrument sound like that. instead of having to take the signal and warp it. You know, you were getting right. that real attack sound without having to do anything to the microphone <laughs> or anything after the microphone. But I'm just you talking can... like how big records sound yeah. now. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. Technology has definitely increase the the ease of like insane production right yeah and it's like like the mastodon stuff how big it like you know how they you know get that kind of real big sound you know what i mean like it's weird yeah it with metal it's like the the one thing it's actually it kind of like sucks because playing in a metal band now um 
we our last album we put out i mean we tracked it live you know we did all like mic'd all the cabs up mic'd all the drums we didn't do any sound replacing we didn't do any like direct in guitars like it's all like this is it It sounds like Mm -hmm. motherfuckers in a room (laughs) playing metal Mm -hmm. but to a lot of people outside of the like a lot of people who aren't behind the curtain right people who just like metal albums We've heard that it sounded cheap because it doesn't mm. sound as produced oh, or as man. not. It's not like competitive enough. Like that's oh, that's wow, a label man. word. That's a label so word. The, metal, the stuff that we do, that, yeah. like our production, was not competitive enough. So they really like wow. a tight sound. Honestly. Yeah, people really want tight. a tight sound. Like really just tight. like a normal like the bands that we play with and our friends yeah. love it, but just like the casual fan. It, it, we've heard that it sounds cheap it's and not it's just not enough. not produced enough. Even uh, though it's like, well, this is fucking like us. that Mastodon. Yeah. They want produced this, like, sound. They want well, music that basically sounds like a computer. Yeah, right. Like okay. there's a lot of metal albums that yeah. I listen to, and it's like I'm listening to an electronic album. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. sure, this <laughs> sounds that, like guitars yeah, and drums, but everything's been punched in and sound replaced yeah. and quantized and corrected. This is an electronic album. This is an extremely aggressive electronic album. This yeah. is not a metal album. Yep. Yeah, well, I remember like the Dream Theater guys did that. Sure, like, that, was, that became like a thing where they yep. they took all the mics and they basically sound replaced everything. You know, <laughs> just trigger everything. Mm-hmm. It's too polished. I mean, I like a little oh, bit of way. Yeah, I like way. a rockier uh, <laughs> listening experience. Yeah. yeah. So that's crazy though, man. I, you're talking about the uh, Gray Walker EP. Yeah. Uh, I thought it sounded fantastic, man. I it was great. Thank I you. I really like what your guitar players are doing, like with the harmonies. Fantastic. Yeah, I mean, and, I, but that's just. So people really are looking for that real produced, especially in metal thing. People in like labels and stuff like that. If we're going to really totally, totally. Maybe I look at different labels then because forget taking your music to someone who wants to change it. Take it to people who are doing what you like. Yeah, I wouldn't wouldn't change my music. Well, the funny thing is, too, it's just like. We're not necessarily like we're not super interested in labels and stuff. Well, I just like mean that. yeah, but, yeah. But forget that too. Yeah. yeah, I mean you need to uh, take your music to people who understand what you're doing. Totally. Obviously, you guys have a sound that you know what you want to sound like. And mm-hmm. If you want to sound like a polished band, you could be a polished band. This like it, today, you don't. But it sounded like it sounded polished to me. So maybe I'm listening. Yeah, to that's it. the thing. <laughs> you're like, you're kind of behind the polished what we consider thing. polished. Yeah. Like I'm into the trash stuff. Like yeah. trash. <laughs> sure, like, sure, sure. Yeah. You know, like old King Snake Roost records that were like trash. Yeah. Rock. I mean, that's the thing. Is just like you know we like the album. Like we're uh, we're not old, but I mean, like we're in our thirties. So. The You're stuff in your that, 30s. I'm in my 40s. <laughs> the <laughs> stuff that well, I'm talking I'm about. In my, my 80s. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about <laughs> 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 my 80s. Everybody in my band is in their 30s, right? right? right. So <laughs> the stuff that we grew up listening to, the stuff that we love the most, the metal that we yeah. like, the stuff that we recorded is on par with that. Yep. You know right. what I mean? So it's like to us, it sounds great. All the stuff that we listen to, it's like that's it. But you know. Mm-hmm. The demographic, like if you think of like the younger kids, what they're listening okay. to now yeah. is so it was all real to real stuff. Like all the old metal stuff right. was all real to real, right? Like all the old like Metallica. Yeah, Metallica was analog. I think that was all analog stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, like all that old probably, 90s yeah. metal yeah. was all analog, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I I have I like the first what four Metallica albums. Yeah, the most, right. And I like think they all stuff. say yeah, like, like the stuff that anybody will admit to. This liking. has been right. <laughs> this has been you know transferred from the original you know analog tape. Blah blah blah. And that's back when they were selling digital as like a superior format to analog. It's like, uh-huh. you know, unfortunately, some of the uh, um, 
I don't know, uh, lesser aspects of analog recording will come through on this pristine recording. So be aware, you know, it's <laughs> like, but now it's like, I got to go back to well, analog the best records. The old bad brains records were right. like literally some of the worst recorded records ever. Uh, I mean, literally like Rick Ocasek from the cars recorded that first bad brains record. And it was like the worst recorded <laughs> record ever. It's like horrible, but it is awesome. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's oh, like, phenomenal. Yeah. What I was it's like, you know, like, like I couldn't even picture that done oh, yeah. now. It would sound like, some kind yeah. of like synth. It's an aesthetic, yeah, like you said, though, it would turn man. I mean, some like synth band or something like that. You know, can you imagine HR like in like digital quality? Like it was, wouldn't, I don't know. It would sound weird. Here's no. how I think it. I mean, it's like these kids, they don't know that. Yeah, they want it, I guess, but that's all they've ever known. So if you give yeah. them an alternative, you're going to stick out, even yeah, if they think it's just, worse. It's like the same. It's like it'd be like handing them a smartphone from five years ago. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, like what the fuck is this? Yeah. Right. You know, and it's kind of like the same thing. You know, you hand them. A metal album well, yeah, from then. No different, just like us. We grew up listening to those dirty old records. Yeah. That's just what we like. And we kind of emulate that. We kind of go out of our way to make the records yeah. looser and more, you know, leave that. Snap, yeah, that I, lo- snap, I love hearing the room. Man. Leave that, yeah. <laughs> I like to hear some room reflections and yeah. what were you going to oh, say? Well, actually, on, the, on this album, correct me if I'm wrong, but you didn't use any digital yeah, reverb. I, I went I, <laughs> I did a pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, I did all uh room reverb from the drum set. So everything you hear from the drums is just uh Jay's giant tracking room. He like has a kitchen attached to the main live room and he put like some four fourteens out some in the kitchen. Mics, yeah. Some ambient mics. So uh the drums are all just um you know what we actually heard in the room. And then yeah. for the guitar I tried something different where I do I did like a close mic and then I experimented with far miking, um, distance miking, and then I actually ran all the tracks through um, like I reamped them. So I actually ran them out of the DAW into uh, an old guitar amp, and then I had a distance mic in my house, like forty feet away downstairs, and I was just recording the room reflections, and then I mixed those in real light underneath the mix so anything that you hear on the album is just all real yeah spatial reverb um just as more of an experience uh, experiment it sounds than real anything lush, else. though it sounds real it do- yeah it does. Real it's cool. maybe a little dry for some people but i think it kind of yeah i love it yeah it makes you focus on the music a little bit more the um, i think that i liked about it was you know again like i have a problem listening to music because I, pr- I record music, I produce music, so I'm always thinking about, like, <laughs> it's very easy for me to, like, put on an album and immediately mm. feel like I'm watching a bunch of people behind a salad board with a computer just dragging wave files around. Right. Or sometimes I feel like I'm in a room with people, like, I'm in a practice space, and I'm just hearing a band play. Mm-hmm. And your record just sounds like a band playing the music. You know, I did, not once did I feel like I was looking at somebody on a computer, like, correcting yeah. things right i think we did it in three takes i mean i don't think we did any of the songs more than twice yeah I, actually we did three of the we did seven but we only you only really yeah we only had, we did seven five. but we did five on the release we did every one in one or two takes most yeah. of them one take yeah. yeah we had we had an eight hour day and we recorded the um, all the drums three and hours had uh, allison do the bass because uh, you know i'm i'm a perfectionist which is like a kind of a bad thing totally <laughs> I mean, i'm sure you yeah so it's yeah. just like you're sitting there for 10 hours like doing the same thing over and over again and you forget what you're even doing so i i when i started recording guitar i actually said you know i'm gonna do it within so many takes 
and then just force myself to kind of choose on. You it was know, a good challenge. Yeah, it was a good challenge. Yeah, I will. I I still record the majority of my own music. Um, yeah. If I well, I don't record the Grey Walker stuff, but um, with my hip hop stuff, mm-hmm. I do record all that. The last album that I did, I had live drums on it, so I didn't record the drums. I went to somebody who actually knows how to record live drums and had them record it. Did you do that at uh, Very Tight. Yeah. Or, yeah. But um, I guess the point I'm getting at is. I don't actually like don't allow myself to work on mixes every day. Mm-hmm. I like keep myself mm-hmm. from it yeah. because I well, you were tempted to, I will go <laughs> in and to. just change stuff and work on stuff over and over and over again. If I like yeah. make significant changes to a song, I cannot go back to it for two or three days because yep. I need to revisit it with like fresh ears, right. like <laughs> almost completely forget what I did. Yep. And then that's the only way to know if what yep. I changed was really effective mm-hmm. or not. Yeah, it, it's crazy, man. I mean, because you start your ear. I mean, just the way your ear. Oh yeah, you works. get fatigued, yeah, man. You get fatigued. Totally. Um, and then stuff that like stuck out, like just drove you crazy. Like you could listen to it a year later, and you're like, "This sounds fantastic." Like it's just all perspective, or at least most of it, you know. So, yeah, I mean, fatigue is a huge thing. So I started mixing low, just as low as I could get. You know, probably uh-huh. like 80 dB in the room or 60 dB in the room, as low as you could possibly. Wasn't that what get you're it. supposed to do technically? I don't know anything uh, about this stuff. Well, but aren't you supposed to mix they low? They mix film at like a specific decibel. Um, but I, you know, the the mo of like a lot of mixing engineers in rock and stuff is, I mean, some do it quiet and some just crank it. Quiet. You know, uh, it just depends on who you right. are. Okay. You know, but they also have you know, acoustically treated rooms. And yeah. Right, so you can listen to it real well and hear those lows. <laughs> you don't have yeah. reflections bouncing out. Uh-huh. I always mix with headphones on. That's yeah. like, it's my, I'm a yeah. big proponent of that. I don't know. It's I just have like, I've had like the same headphones that I've been recording and mixing on. Mm-hmm. Actually, I've been using the same headphones for probably 10 years. What do you use? I, they're do just you? like these Panasonic. I don't oh, know yeah. the number, but like mm-hmm. they're not good headphones mm-hmm. by any means. I've actually, I'm on my third pair of them. Yep. I just, they're cheap, but because I've, the other, they've just died. But I'm like so used to how things are supposed to sound on them oh, that amazing. I just, you don't want to change that. I'm in the zone, you know, and then I'm like, I just understand yeah. like how it could work. That, that That's all that matters. I mean, you're just trying to translate a mix to as many different systems as you can. Yeah, there's so. um, Matt, actually, Matt Very, very tight. Mm-hmm. We were talking a lot about, I don't know if you're familiar with Frank Ocean, who's like the R&B singer. Yep. Um, and he, the guy that produces all of his music and like Frank Ocean, he's like big deal. Like, big, big, like, right. huge. Billion, the guy yeah. that produces all of his music and mixes his music, like, uses like some like like really cheap like forty dollar computer speakers yep. and he's like this is just what i'm used to mixing stuff on yep. i know what it's supposed to sound like yep. and he's doing like big production there's no rules anymore I yeah stuff you if can you, do it. it's just like if you know what you want something to sound yep. like it's nice to have good gear it definitely is important but it's also not necessary it's like that's that mid-level thing there's always that mid-level in any product where you mm-hmm. go lower and you do get lower but if you get like something middle of the road yeah i usually get decent stuff and like i said it's about translation so i mean you always want to like do the headphone mix on a good pair of headphones that you know you want to do a mix on maybe earbuds or something just to hear what Uh they sound like on that it's good to run it through laptop speakers if you oh totally yeah i was mixing like i'd run uh, a line through my television downstairs and just have them come <laughs> out of the shitty ass like television Yeah, because it could be played. You don't know where your stuff's going to be played, do you, right? Do you mix in mono ever just to see how it, um, it's like? I don't mix full mixes in mono, but for well, I mean like uh, going to mono like for just to, just to kind of um, 
get an idea of like, yeah, yeah. Nah. What I do, yeah, try it out, man. It's awesome. Like, um, what I do is I'll get my levels set and like do the panning. Just you know, say I'm mixing like a standard, you know, our, our three piece or whatever. I'll like get everything set, and then I'll click it to mono, and you can actually EQ a little easier. You can find like those little EQ holes. Okay. A lot faster when everything's just right up the center. Yeah. And you actually use less EQ that way, and you're more specific with how you cut and yeah. whatever else. I'm like a really big stickler for personally, like usually whenever I record stuff now, by the time everything's done recording, I'm at a point of like, I'm doing minimal mixing. Yep. So I'm almost like mixing as I'm recording. Yep. And like, I've recorded enough bullshit now over the years that like, I already know what something's going to sound like. So I'm like thinking in my head, like I already know that whenever I run this synth through the master chain, it's going to go fucking insane. So I need to duck <laughs> that EQ now yep. before I even deal with it later. And just like, yeah, it's, it's the old school prepare way, man. I as mean, they that's, go. that's how they always did. It. I mean, they didn't have any other choice, but to run it through a compressor or run it through, you know, EQ or whatever, because there was no other way to do it. You know, yeah. they were mixing while they recorded when they did, you know, when, when you only had four tracks to work with uh -huh. or eight tracks. So it's a, it's a great way to, to go. Um, I've been using like limited resources. Like, I mean, you could literally use a thousand plugins on a song and still not be happy or whatever. And so I've just been sticking with like just a handful of effects and just always going with those like, you know, maybe the same EQ, the same compressor, the same uh, whatever else, you know, and just kind of like using those very limited parameters to 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 do my mix, I guess. <laughs> well, it sounds good. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> sounds like you know what you're doing. Sure. Oh, yeah. We're lucky so, to have someone like Trevor that knows how to do totally. this stuff because, right. yeah, I would. What else? Uh, well, you know, there would be no one here to bore you with uh, mundane details. Yeah, right? but that's what no. this stuff's all about, man. That's all that's, it's all geeking out. Just like geeking out. you geek out over your drums and heads and stuff like that. And, and you know, recording is just like that, man. There's like a, almost like an unlimited thing to geek out on. Mm -hmm. And like I said, you got to keep it to a minimum, though, because <laughs> you could you can't drive yourself crazy. I'm oh, totally. Sure. Yeah, it's especially that's like I don't mess with a whole lot of plugins either. And that's just because it's too it's an like option paralysis. You know, yep. you go in there and it's like, oh, my God, I could just like looking at the presets alone and then thinking about the fact that you can like change all these things and like, wait, 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 wait. this already sounded good before I even clicked on the thing right. to begin with. Like, yep. let's just get away from that. Especially in a three-piece, I don't think it's you know. But like you said, even a three-piece, you could just take one mic and have you know yeah. geek out on that and just totally go crazy with it. But the best songs, you know, like you know, old Palace Brothers, you know, music, you know, Will Oldham just singing into one mic, you know, playing mm -hmm. you know acoustic guitar in a room with one mic, crappy mic, but it was a good song, so it sounds yeah. fucking great. Yeah, because he's a master songwriter right. and that's going to come through, you know, and people that know how to, it almost, like I said, if you either, you know, are a good songwriter or you're not, you know, and it almost sounds better to me to have like that ambience and, and, you know, imperfection in that. It just sounds real. Like I like, exactly. I like, li I like listening to people play music. I don't necessarily like listening to production. Yeah. Although sometimes right. production, is interesting from a producer standpoint to hear like, wow, that's really cool how they pulled all that off, which you get mm -hmm. with a lot of electronic music, nine inch nail stuff, like awesome, awesome oh, yeah. production stuff. Yeah, that's an art. But that's too. that's you a different it, Yeah, right? it's a different but with like rock music, just you know, I want it to sound like people. 
in a room playing rock music. Well, that's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. But it's kind of turned into this thing where it's like a sound that's imitating a sound. And yeah. Not that sound where, you know, rock music was supposed to be wild and, you know, energetic. Yeah. And it's not supposed to be like some geeky thing, like pristine thing that they where they took like, you know, a week to EQ the the rhythm guitar track or something like that. Somebody yeah. has to do like a market uh, yeah, survey. Yeah, some to, kind of analysis. <laughs> not, we can't like do this said, kind of like, EQ on this like album. With your, with your metal music, worried about some some you know, 20-year-old kids that don't know anything about music <laughs> because they think that's what it's supposed to sound like. Right. Yeah. And they're not going to buy your record because, well, this doesn't sound like this other band that I'm listening to now. But it's going to be like three years and they're going to learn. And, you know, but there's always going to be that thing in music that, that bad part of music that's just bad. Yeah. yeah. It's always been there. It always will be. On the subject of sounding like people <laughs> in a room playing music, you got any shows coming up? Yeah. Uh, we have a show at Cativo on April 1st. Uh, it's a Saturday. And it's with uh, a band called The Skull from Chicago. It's uh, old members of Pentagram and Trouble. From Trouble, yeah. Oh, nice. Old school metal. Um, and then you've got uh, local... Uh, Whorehound and um, Monolith Wielder Monolith playing. Wielder, yeah. yeah. So we'll probably open the set and everybody will wonder why this weird country band or something's playing. And then, <laughs> yeah, and I don't know. The, I'm not sure how we're going to sound. Nah, it, we're going to sound loud as fuck. Is how we're gonna okay, sound. good, good. Just very slow. Very loud and slow. <laughs> yeah. That's that's good for me because I think the other bands are more like heavy metal, yeah, true, yeah. in the true sense. Yeah, sure. Yeah, they're, they're heavy. Because I've heard Pentagram before, and I've heard uh, and I've heard the band Trouble before, yep. and they're like more like classic, classic metal. Yeah, Godfathers of Doom, I think. Of Doom, and yeah, maybe yeah, <laughs> predecessors of Stoner metal, whatever you call it. Yeah. Proto Stoner. Yeah, Proto Stoner. I think there's definitely like a a pillar of heaviness that's oh no no, and that's the thing. Your we music all, for we sure. All, yeah. That's the thing we kind of clicked on. We like the heaviness. I, I mean. Who doesn't like Black Sabbath and how right. heavy that can be? Yeah. But it's just kind of like the commercial nonsense of the other stuff that, that always turned me off. Right. It, that's always been the thing. So it's like I think it was safe that we took the heaviness of it and added maybe a little bit more jangly. Yeah, it's a different kind of heavy. Loud. It's like yeah. heavy emotion. Yeah, than... more, more emotionally heavy than it is <laughs> heavy right. or Look fast. Look how big and tough I am. Yeah, or how fast I can play. That's but we're also one, big one, and tough. One thing, too, yeah. I mean – you know, I'm playing pretty pretty clean from how I could be playing, I think, um, especially considering my amp. I have, like, a Mesa Boogie, and I'm, like, using the clean channel on it. You uh -huh. know? So, um, but one thing about playing clean is you have more dynamics. So, actually, like, my – if I hit an open E chord, I can make it real loud or real quiet. But when you're cranking on the gain, you're kind of compressed so much that your dynamics are gone. So – you know, we're going to be able to get it low to where you can talk over it almost. Yeah. And then that's, just rip your head off. Like, I think that's pretty much like the important thing right away when we started playing. We were kind of going for the dynamic yeah. thing where we'd almost literally be practicing and be able to like talk yeah. to each other. There's a just huge swing in, literally in our by, dynamic Yeah, range. like a lot of our stuff, we can literally talk to each other while we're playing. And then, yeah. But then go louder than usual yeah. when necessary. And it's mm -hmm. a real loud. It's like... Just that Mesa Boogie amp is that thing is loud. That is, it is <laughs> it weighs like two hundred pounds. Yeah, that it's like, and it's not even that big. It's it just not even a stack. That much yeah, it's a, it's a combo. Even yeah, it's like it's a foot and a half by foot and a half, but it weighs like it's got pounds. yeah, jeez, giant magnet on that speaker. 
it's the heaviness. Yeah, yeah. Heavy, man. that's what it's about. Man. That, 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 I think that's the most important thing is that dynamic, the dynamic. That's what I most like about the stuff that we do and bands that I like, like Slint and some of those older, uh, older indie rock bands that did that really well. Mm-hmm. You know, and Polvo and all those older, older uh, indie rock bands that I that I, I like. Those Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Merge Records, all that stuff. Okay. <laughs> But if we don't play with metal, it's like, who do we play with? Hell that's true. And that's the thing. I, but like I said, I'm never worried about where our music is going to be placed because Pittsburgh's so eclectic. You can go, like all the bands, and I'm sure same with you. I'm sure there's always some band on the bill that's different. Nobody cares. Oh, no. Nobody cares. I like it. I that's hate when we're, I want, go to a show and I'm, it's I'm all the same show. Yeah. Yeah. that much different than the other bands. And you stand out. I mean, who wants to see the same three indie rock bands playing every night? Yeah. You know what I mean? There's only so much like math rock or so much whatever rock in one night if you have four bands playing who needs us to sound like trouble or pentagram mm-hmm. you know what i mean that's gonna be this, i think that was smart of manny to put us in there mm-hmm. i think he probably thought we might break it up a little bit yeah he, he knows his <laughs> stuff man he knows how to book a show yeah he, for uh, sure he's been doing it long enough and uh you know you figure people that are at an event like that where there's a lot of different music playing they're people that like Lots of different music, of and course. your music is for Those people that like kids, lots of different yeah, music. They so. usually like. Yeah, metal metal people are really yeah, open to right. different styles. <laughs> There's yeah. those kids like you're talking about yeah. who like that clean, specific blast beat stuff. But most of these people if you're a like true metalhead, though. I mean, you they can, like everything. Yeah, they like because metal metal kind of encompasses a really broad spectrum. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Everybody that I know, everybody that like everybody in my band, you know, it's we listen to stuff all over the board. Right. Totally. Anything, we like yeah. music, you know? Yeah, We're it's not... more of a music thing, right? Pittsburgh's a very eclectic city. I mean, I played in every genre of music in Pittsburgh, and we would have, like, you know, like, alt-country shows with metal bands. You know, <laughs> we would have, you know, so... You know, Everybody's and, and friends, too, blink, so... Right? Yeah. Nobody would even blink, and people wouldn't actually enjoy everybody's music. So that's, like, kind of how Pittsburgh was. I mean, we were a big blend of... A lot of good metal bands, a lot of good alt rock bands, a lot of good like I mean, we have you know just about every kind of good music here in Pittsburgh. You can't go anywhere without, like you were saying, bumping in the people that are in each other's bands. And, yeah, you, know, you actually like your friends' bands and not just go to their shows because they're <laughs> crappy. You know, <laughs> like there's so many good bands here in Pittsburgh. I can't even. And and you know, the sad thing is, but most of them aren't doing much. You know, but they're really good bands. Yeah, really good. Like, uh-huh. Super talented, like. And I don't, I can't, I, don't, I can't say that about a lot of other cities. That much quality music, you know. I've been around enough to know that. You know, like West Virginia and Ohio. I don't know. Is, is there a lot of good music in Ohio? I don't know so much about Ohio. You I mean, Cleveland has a reputation. I don't know what's going on there now. But. I mean, the old pretenders thing is kind of like the analogy people make. We've <laughs> and guided by voices, you know. So there's always there's good music. We've everywhere. played in Cleveland a few times, and I really don't remember anybody yeah, nice. we played with. Is from Cleveland, and yeah. uh, there is good music. But man, I I've been around enough to know that there's just a lot, seemingly a lot more good music in the Pittsburgh area than most cities. Sure. Maybe. Uh, I don't maybe. know. Yeah. It's objective. <laughs> so April 1st, yeah, Cativo. Cativo. Yep. $12 presale, $15 at the door. <laughs> nice. Is there anything else you want to shout out real quick? I think we could probably wrap up here soon. So anything we didn't talk about that we were supposed to? 
Did cats. we miss anything? Do you have any cats? I don't have any cats. I don't have any pets. I'm never yeah. home. Not a, I like I like other people's pets, but all right. Don't don't give me a pet. <laughs> we'll talk about cats later. Then. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> what do you talk about my cat later? What do you yeah. got coming up? Anything? Yeah, right. You got that new violence fan, right? Um, uh, there's a bunch of stuff yeah. coming up. Um, right now the next thing sounds like you should be playing that show with us. <laughs> Uh yeah maybe you're at Cativo or maybe you I play I just played at Cativo yeah, okay. on uh Friday it's, yeah right yeah I just played there on Friday um the metal band's playing at Spirit on the fifteenth nice yeah, Spirit's another cool place uh and then uh is that the downstairs one or there's yeah. a couple places in that well yeah. Sp- yeah Spirit they have the downstairs and the upstairs right, right. the upstairs is for bigger shows yeah I played the downstairs mm-hmm. <laughs> uh. Yeah, the fifteenth, doing that. Uh, March, end of March. Gray Walker's going out of town. And then there's some stuff in April that I can't announce yet. Nice. There's actually everything. There's a whole bunch of stuff coming up, but I can't really yeah, talk about it. Yeah, holes in your shows. Let us my, know. Oh, totally, totally. Now, now that you're on my radar, right? <laughs> definitely, <laughs> for sure. Cool. It's been awesome meeting you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, All you of too. you. This was you. this was good talk. And uh, if I am in town. On the first, I will actually come out to that show. But I know we're playing in Ohio on the thirty-first. I don't know if we're going to be doing anything after that. But um, blah blah blah. It's been <laughs> a good talk. Stuff. So uh, thanks for coming. And uh, I guess shout-outs to Black Forge for letting us. Yeah, thank you. Oh, yeah, do this right. here. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> we're the only ones in here now. Everybody <laughs> left. It's late. Are we closing the place down? We are. Clo- we're literally we closing the place the down. Floors. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we better get get going so we can sweep and do the dishes. <laughs> All right. Well. Good meeting everybody and thanks for doing this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you. Got it. And that is all, folks. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. The Long Hunt. Awesome band. Great people. It was really cool to get to meet Trevor and Allison and Mark. And I'm really looking forward to seeing them whenever I get a chance. You should do it too. Heck yeah. Check out the links that I have attached, the links that they talked about during the conversation. Give them a listen. Go check them out. Get involved in the local scene. There's a lot of cool things going on. If you don't live in Pittsburgh and you're listening to this for some reason, come hang out. I'm not going to let you stay at my house or anything, but I can tell you some cool places to go when you're here. I don't know. I'm just trying to be nice. Anyways, I'll be back again next week with another episode. Same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes, or Brian, which I talked about earlier. Start the beat, 2017. Woo! Woo! Thanks for listening.